sure I wore gray tonight. Just kind of worked out that way. The late, great Lamia. Another one lost too soon. Learning from falling, splitting atoms. Well, I guess we'll split some atoms tonight. It's a November 17th, 2022. It's pretty chilly outside. It's going to be chilly for the rest of the week. And I don't think there's any going back at this point. No going back. I am broadcasting live from New York as I usually do for the pre-show. And I have some great things going on here tonight because we're, bringing, we're gonna be going through a just rotation of audience suggested topics. Now, uh, a few of them may take up a lot of time. Others might just be quick hits. But I said it's you know it's a Thursday and we've had a lot of great guests on and I've been and whenever you have guests on and things like that, you're always dealing with uh, time constraints and, and and time constraints are fine. You just have to keep things structured and and uh, whatever. But on nights like tonight, we get to stretch out, do our thing, a little bit of history, a little bit of conspiracy. Oh boy, just so much, so much, and um, and away we go. So thank you guys and gals for hanging out. I want to thank my sponsors, BlueMonsterPrep.com. BlueMonsterPrep.com. I think everybody should be prepping with Blue Monster because it's just insurance. You get car insurance. You get homeowner's insurance, renter's insurance. You get insurance for everything. You get life insurance, health insurance, all this stuff. It's a gamble. What are you doing? You're taking, you're, you're betting. You're taking on a bet with the insurance companies. You're saying, I bet you any money I'm going to get into a car accident. I bet you any money I'm going to get sick. I'm going to need an emergency room at some point. And the insurance company is going, I bet you're not. Okay. I'll take that bet. And that's why you spend uh, most months out of your life giving them money that, uh, you, for services that you don't need, thankfully. Right? But it's a bet. This is a bet. This is insurance, making sure that you have food in your house for everybody who's alive and needs to eat. That will not go bad for at least 25 years. Ways to filter water, ways to communicate with people that are within striking distance of you if everything goes down and you don't know how to use homing pigeons. I mean, this is all good stuff. And in a, uh, in a world that is in flux, that is uh, changing hands... Okay, we're changing hands right now. We don't know how uh, that transition is going to go. So uh, there's going to be growing pains. And you know what? We're just taking the bet. It's insurance. So go to BlueMonsterPrep.com. You can give things as gifts to other people for special occasions and holidays or to yourself. And if you need any kind of uh, help to to prioritize what you're going to get and where you have to start and how much money you have, guess what? They have the greatest customer service on the planet. I'm sure that there are other companies that can match their customer service, but no one that beats them. Pat and Gina are fantastic. 
Fantastic. So bluemonsterprep.com. Use promo code FRANKLY for all of your shipping. Gone. So get the hell out of here, shipping. You stupid son of a bitch. Okay. All right. So tomorrow we might talk about resurrecting the dead, like the woolly mammoth, CIA, and all that stuff. But tonight, let's go into some grab bag. Here's a little, you know, preview of kind of things we'll, we'll do, be doing tomorrow, especially from the ethics standpoint and where you think this all may lead. In World First Trial, this is from The Verge, ladies and gents. I don't know if you heard this before. In a World First Trial, lab-grown blood was just injected into two people. Lab-grown blood. Boston baked beans has been completely injected into people now. It's probably what it is. It's probably liquefied Boston baked beans. What is this? It's blood. Are you sure? I, I think. These first tests are just to see if it's safe, but if it works, lab-grown blood could help people with rare blood types and blood disorders. Two people were injected with red blood cells grown uh, in a lab as part of a clinical trial. The research team announced this week its first step towards seeing that if lab-grown blood cells are safe and work in the body, which would be a major advance for people living with rare blood types or blood disorders. This world-leading research lays the groundwork for the manufacture of red blood cells that can safely be used to transfuse people with disorders like sickle cell, said Farooq Shah, medical director of transfusion for National Health Service Blood and Transplant in the United Kingdom, in a statement. My question is, uh, I would love for somebody say, how do you clear all this stuff out of you? I mean, we, we produce blood, uh, we have blood cells that die, that are replaced. What is the, how does this thing work? The milestone in this trial comes after decades of work trying to figure out how to grow these types of cells in the lab in the first place. The cells used, the third, the, uh, trial, uh, used in the trial were grown from stem cells taken from the blood of adult donors. These research teams needed 500,000 stem cells to create 50 billion red blood cells, according to the BBC. Of that volume, 15 billion cells were at the right stage of development for transfusion. Uh, for context, healthy adults have about 3 to 5 million red blood cells per cubic millimeter of blood. Is this getting you weird? I warned him. It's a really fantastic, it's really fantastic that we are now able to grow enough blood cells, red blood cells, to medical, uh, to medical grade to allow this trial to commence. Rebecca Cardigan, head of component development at NHS Blood and Transplant, said to in a statement, the infusions uh, were part of a clinical trial run by NHS Blood and Transplant, which is looking to see how long lab-grown blood lasts in a body compared with donated blood cells. Yeah, how do you know what is the lab-grown blood? So, I mean, it, it, do they look different? How do you know which ones are which? The trial will enroll, and that's exactly what I was thinking about. How long do they last? How does the body clear this out? Uh, is it, you know, I, I just don't. See, now, if you're somebody with sickle cell and you need regular blood transfusions, this is something you may consider. Uh, me, all this makes me want, gets me really wheezy. Or 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 uh, 
queasy. I'm not wheezing anymore. I was wheezing about three three weeks ago when I still had all that inflammation in my chest from the cold. But um, I don't know. You know, my grandmother had leukemia, and uh, but I don't I don't understand. It was I guess it was a manageable thing. She was going in for uh, for for blood transfusions. That was part of her her just maintenance program. And uh, we went to go to visit her at the at the hospital one day. She was fine. I mean, you know, she was getting on with life and all that. She really started going downhill once she had a she caught pneumonia um, in like late uh, late summer of 1996 or something. For a while, I, I, I for a little while I blamed myself because I thought she got pneumonia when she came out to see my summer play, and I thought I you know it's like I wish she just stayed home. You know, but that's not what was going on. And then from the pneumonia came a stroke, and and then things just got more and more difficult. But I remember her uh, pretty much going and treating the leukemia, at least in part, with blood transfusions. And one day, I was in probably fifth grade or so, and we went to go visit my grandmother at the hospital when she was getting a blood transfusion. And I walked in, I saw the bag connected to her, and she said, oh, hey, come on over here. I, uh, I I maybe was about a minute and a half in. I said, I, I have to go outside. Ten years old. I said, no, this is not. This, something about it was just something about hooking up into veins and blood needles. It sucks. It really does. It really does. want to be able to. That's one of those things where I want to be able to just be around it. And um, and I try. I mean, I watch a, I've watched a lot of HBO. They're, everybody's on heroin in, in HBO. Everybody. And they always have to have... They always the, the gratuitous injection shot where a little bit of blood squirts into the heroin needle and shoots back out. And I sit there and I just watch it because I want to get over this shit. So I don't think I'm going to be dabbling with the, uh, the, the lab-grown blood. If it ever comes to a point where I need to be, have my life saved by a blood transfusion, God forbid... I at least want the real shit. But then again, how many people's blood are we going to be able to... Are we going to be able to... Think about it. Think about this. How many people have gotten 15,000 booster shots? And because the entire mainstream medical establishment out there is like, oh, this is totally fine. They are... They're, they're taking people's blood for, you know, that go out there and still donate blood for one thing or another. How many people are, are on, like, shot number seven... But because it's been at least two or three months since their last shot, their their uh, their blood donations are being taken. You ever think of that? All the secondary the secondary ways of getting uh, inoculated. Ugh. the world is just weird. It's getting weirder, getting weirder, folks. Elon Musk. He was at the G20. Did you know about this? Did you hear about this? He sees aliens and tunnels. Tunnels in a candlelit G20 vision of the future. Sitting in the dark, wearing a traditional Indonesian batik batik shirt and surrounded by candles, Elon Musk, very weird, offered a vision for the future that includes aliens, deep tunnels, and rocket tourism. The seemingly disembodied billionaire Twitter owner appeared by video link on Monday to address business leaders in Bali on the sidelines of the G20 summit, only his face and hands visible on an otherwise black screen. 
We had power outage three minutes ago before this call. That's why I'm entirely in the dark, he told Indonesian tycoon cum moderator uh, Anindya Bakri. Musk was asked why he had not traveled to the tropical Indonesian island, and new Twitter boss joked that his workload has recently increased by a lot. But he had little else to say about his acquisition, which was the uh, which has included firing thousands of... I don't give a shit. Twitter aside, the conversation turned and said that tunnels dug deep underground to battle congestion. Tunnels dug deep underground, huh? To battle congestion. Rocket travel... Um, to battle congestion on what on the on the planet? Chuck Schumer is trying to get illegal aliens to uh, to have more children now. What congestion are you talking about? Rocket travel across the world in less than an hour, and discovering extraterrestrial life in space. Maybe we'll find alien civilizations or discover civilizations that existed millions of years ago. He said, "I think that would be incredibly interesting to go out there and explore the galaxy." The chief of electrical of electric car maker Tesla then waxed lyrical about the benefits of tunnels. Oh, over flying cars to battle gridlock traffic, saying cars will fall on your head. That's true. That's true. I do not think that flying cars are coming. And it would be bad for privacy. Absolutely. No, flying cars I never thought was ever going to be practical. Um, you know, when I was a child, I thought it was cool. I had the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the car that, that came out of uh, Dimension X from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that Bebop and Rocksteady were flying in. And I love Back to the Future and all that stuff. So, you know, the whole idea of flying, flying cars was great to mess around with. But the more I grew, like, even by middle school, I was like, this ain't going to work. Especially when you know, when you realize how bad people are behind the wheel. How inept they are. It's, what are you going to do? So he's thinking that we can tunnel through, huh? I don't know. Thinks he's going to make tunnels. Hey, there might be more tunnels. Um, you know who's going to have a hard time building that tunnel? All those tunnels? Boston. City of Boston. They can't build shit. I remember that big dig project of yours out there. You were big digging for like 90,000 years. Please do not give Boston another hole to dig because that's just not gonna, that's not going to go well. All right. Hey, oh, one last thing before we kick the show off. Headline shocker. This is from PJ Media. Washington Post update about Mar-a-Lago raid does not fit the narrative. Uh-oh. What does that mean? There's nothing funnier than watching leftist punch, uh, uh, punchinellos beclown themselves over the latest We've Got Trump Now hijinks. Remember when the FBI raided Trump's home, supposedly looking for nuclear secrets a few months ago? Guess how that turned out. I'll let the quizlings at the Washington Post spell it out for you. Here's an excerpt. Federal agents and prosecutors have come to believe former President Donald Trump's motive for allegedly taking and keeping classified documents was largely his ego and a desire to hold on to the materials as trophies or, or mementos, according to people familiar with the matter. In other words, Trump was keeping souvenirs like everyone else does. They're saying this in the in the uh, in the article too. Funny how Washington Post sat on that story until after the midterms, right? But wait, there's more. Here's another excerpt. 
That review uh, has not found any apparent business advantage to the types of classified information in Trump's possession, these people said. FBI interviews with witnesses so far, they said also, do not point to any nefarious effort by Trump to leverage, sell, or use the government secrets. Instead, the former president seemed motivated by more basic desire to not give up what he believed was his property. These people said, <laughs> these motherfuckers, oh, oh, these slimy fucks. Remember, the scope of everything they took was Inauguration Day 2017 to his departure date in 2021. They took every, there was no, there was no focus to this. It was just take everything you can and once again, let's molest like the rapists that we are. The Washington Post also found no evidence that Trump was looking to leverage or sell, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the people, so there you have it. Here's another one. People familiar with the matter caution that the investigation is ongoing, that no final determination has been made, and that it is possible additional information could emerge that char... Oh, good. Good. So you're telling us there's still some presence that may be in the stocking. Good. Good. It's like Christmas morning when you're, you're looking for one particular gift, and you keep opening up presents, and there's nothing there that you wanted, and then you're just thinking of all the other places you haven't looked at. It, it might be there, but you know all hope is lost at that point. These people are, are, are horrendous. But this is how they manage the Russia thing. Why even keep going with this? You know that, that that's what was going on. So they're, uh, that's how they manage the Russia thing. There was no, at the end, okay, well, we, we kicked over every rock and we now see that everything is fine. Everything's fine. We were just doing our due diligence. All right, Trump, you did not collude with Russia. They left it as open-ended and question-marky as possible. They said, oh, no, 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 no. The real meat and potatoes was behind these redacted semicolons, the only thing that's left in all this information that we got here. They're horrible, horrible, evil people. And, um, and boy, it's, it's good that justice will come one day or another. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. At least you get some sleep over that one. We'll be right back. Oh, wait. Hold on. I have one question here. Here's tonight's deep thoughts. This is from, uh, this is came from right from the, uh, network production crew. Abe. It came from Abe. I'm not going to put this on Cody or, uh, or Josh. Abe said, here's the deep thought for the night. Is it gay to shave your man bush if it keeps your pubes from getting caught in your gun holster? Okay. You can answer that in the super chats. You can call in later on. Is it gay to shave your man bush if it keeps your pubes from getting caught in your gun holster? You got a little bit of a problem there, don't you? Don't you? We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere, ladies and gents. Share the show far and wide. I put all the links out there. Enjoy. Be a sponsor. Syndicate for me. Thank you. Be right back. and stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? 
I know it's not winter yet, but it feels like winter. So that's when we play Cinderella, because I can't play uh, I can't play Christmas music yet for another week. That's it. A week tonight. A week away from tonight. It's Thanksgiving, and then oh man, see, so you have to soak this up because it's it's just leaving. It's evaporating. The last three months of the year, there's no stopping. From October. From October 1st, it is just like you're downhill, downhill on that um, on that first big dip in the roller coaster, and it's just fast. Yes, I, I like the big I've been at the end. Hold on, wait, wait, wait. No, that's not it. Hold on. Listen, I think this is it. Now, where is it? <laughs> I love that last. Uh, I kind of I forgot what, what character it sounds like. Anyway, welcome to the show. I rule that it's not gay. I rule that it's not gay. Um, I, I actually think it's irresponsible for any guy to have a bush that is that out of control. I think Jesus would be like, can you please tame this? What the hell have you done? Um, you, you, you should have, be that out of control that it gets in the way of the holster. I know some people are like, why are you even wearing a holster? But um, I don't know. Uh, no, no. I, I think that's just, that's, that's in a whole other problem. There's, there's a lot going on there. A lot going on, ladies and gentlemen, but for somebody higher grade to figure out. So this is what we have. Speaking of nuclear, because we were talking about the nuclear codes that were supposedly pushed around here. Can I just, I had to gloss over this subject. Welcome to the show. It's quite frankly, the pre-show's over. Quite frankly, superchat.com. Superchat.com. Quite frankly, superchat.com. If you want to contribute to the show. I had to gloss over this last night because we had some time constraints with our guest. Great guest. I've been getting wonderful, wonderful uh, feedback all night, all morning. But can we spend just a little bit more time talking about this flailing drug addict, Zelensky, in Ukraine, who just tried to force the world into the biggest war in history? Just, Just for a moment. Like, this is him yesterday. Tweet by Christopher Miller. 
Now, there's no translator for this. So he's, he's uh, telling people that, well, listen, um, Russia, this and that, he went and there's rogue missiles that fell into Poland and we need to go after it. Here's some quotes. Terror is not limited to our national borders. Russian missiles hit Poland to fire missiles at NATO territory. This is a Russian missile attack on collective security. This is a significant escalation. We must act. That's what the coke addict said. And meanwhile, it's his missiles. And, and this, was, this was probably so apparent that even the White House and everybody else was just like, nah, uh, no. So it's incredible. He's out there. He said, I want to say now to all of our Polish brothers and sisters, Ukraine will always support you while we're bombing you. Terror will not break free people. Victory is possible when there is no fear. Russia is terrorizing us and everyone it can reach. Wow. Wow. Now, obviously, obviously, one hand is washing the other and vice versa. But Zelensky seems very eager this seems like a, a a personal overture outside of what is already being micromanaged in the worst possible way, the worst, most transparent proxy war ever. Uh, he seems so eager to get NATO and the rest of the world involved, and uh, it, it's just it's just incredible. And it was all him. Now, Michael Tracy was talking uh, about this. I like this thread here. I want to get on to this. Listen to this. Michael Tracy, the current explanation for Poland missile incident does not add up. If it was a mistake by Ukraine's missile defense, what and where was the intended target? Is there any evidence that Russia actually fired missiles somewhere in the vicinity on the Ukraine side of the border? It also doesn't add up that Zelensky top Ukraine uh, and top Ukraine officials would continue to insist that they didn't fire the missiles. They have to know the U.S.-NATO have the entire area covered by state-of-the-art radar. Why would they publicly contradict the chief sponsors of their war effort? They could easily admit they errantly fired the missiles, but blame Russia for creating the situation where such errors can occur seems like an explanation that would be widely accepted, but they're insisting they didn't even fire the missiles. Why? Something doesn't add up. The area where the missiles hit is very sparsely populated and rural on both sides of the border. Where is the closest location in Ukraine that Russia has confirmed to have fired missiles on uh, November 15th? Asking non-rhetorically, would genuinely like to know the factual answer to this? Then he finishes up by saying, Ukraine ministers of foreign affairs is effectively accusing the U.S.-NATO of spreading Russian conspiracy theories because within a matter of hours, the U.S.-NATO also began expounding this same theory. Sorry to repeat it, but something does not add up. And here is uh, what he's talking about. The foreign affairs minister said Russia now promotes a conspiracy theory that it was allegedly a missile of Ukrainian air defense that fell on the Polish theory, fell on the Polish theory, uh, which is not true. No one should buy Russian propaganda or amplify its messages. This lesson should have been long learned since the down. What the fuck is going on? Since the down. Since the down, great. I just lost a damn. Uh, I just lost a, a damn camera again. So this has been happening a lot lately. You know what happens? It is. Gotta do this shit. 
I just, I hate when I, I, I'm losing cameras in the middle of broadcast, and I don't understand why. All of a sudden, the, the, the mouse freezes up, and I have to reset the, the USB hub down there. That unfreezes the mouse, but then I lose the camera. It's ridiculous. So now we have to do this for the rest of the night. And whatever. We got to do what we have to do. So what is this all about? That's what I'm wondering. And I don't know if anybody else is out there here. uh, Some people have offered up some explanations. They said this is easy. The Ukrainians likely have S-300 placements to the east of Lviv, or however you say it. They fired at an intercept course over Lviv. The missile missed and flew out of control range, crashed back in Poland. Ah. Ah. But still, who was firing missiles where? So, I don't know. I, the, the whole thing is weird. And whether or not you have the answers to all this, the, the, the main thing is that you have this crazy fool who is just getting sauced up by American tax dollars, uh, loans, I should say. Loans, the tax, the, the the taxes that they collect from us is just the collateral, and um, and he just tried to recruit the entire planet into expanding this war in the most deadly way possible. It's just incredible, truly incredible. But that's where we are right now, and I just I want to bring that up. I don't know. Now, for as far as the rest of this show goes, there's some really interesting things that I thought uh, would be would be good to do. And that is to kind of open up the subjects of conversation to our audience members out there. And I said, what does everybody want to talk about tonight? Drop links to articles, threads, personal thoughts, and theories below. So we're just going to go through some of them. My buddy Mike from OBDM Podcast asked about talk about Wells Fargo and MasterCard and the Fed teaming up to test out the digital currencies. We did a little bit of that yesterday when I said that things were just speeding up like mad um we actually did that when we talked about the 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 whoopsie missile attack in poland because i was like oh boy here we go they're getting ready for the the replacement currency and now we have what is definitely going to be used or could be as you can see they're they're close uh as a tripwire incident to get the entire world uh, firing at each other the circular circular firing squad that is article five nato's article five we have constant updates on new nations joining BRICS. So the, the twilight hours of the United States dollar and its dominance, the petrodollar, the twilight of the petrodollar's dominance is, is upon us, one way or another. So the fact that they are teaming up, uh, that these big credit card companies are teaming up with the New York Federal Reserve to start pilot testing a digital American dollar is... You would just think that this was coming one way or another. The other thing there, too, is that they have announced, the Republicans have announced that they're going to be launching an investigation into Joe Biden now that they have a majority. All I say is, let's just wait and see to see uh, how that's going to go. They launched investigations into Benghazi and everything else, and we got plenty of great headlines, and we got Trey Gowdy, you know, dropping bombs and annihilating and owning this one and that one, but it really only just amounted to sound bites. I want to be more optimistic, but what the hell? 
Uh, certainly not going to lead to a, to a an effective impeachment and removal because there is no Senate control. But anyway, we'll see what happens there. Now here's another one. Uh, somebody asked, "Hey, why don't you do a little bit more on the um, on the FTX on the FTX Epstein kind of atmosphere that is being dug up here?" I would like. I saw this when Greg Carlwood was on the show at the beginning of the week. I said, "Okay, maybe we'll do a little bit of this," and I forgot to bring it up um, the day after. He had talked about this. He might have gotten it from this thread here too, from Jenko Capital, ETH. Said, "Did Epstein Island truly ever shut down?" Let's go. Let me get up there and put. Where's the other one? One second. I got to get my new camera angle up and down I go. Thank God I have more than one camera here because you just got to get drunk Frank all night. Did Epstein Island truly shut down or did it just move? There's a lot of weird shit that's slowly coming out and the fallout of the FTX going bankrupt. The other thing I want to know about this, ladies and gentlemen, is I, I, I saw Zero Hedge I saw Zero Hedge put things out about this that I, I want to know a little bit more. Um, or I think, was it Zero Yeah, it was Zero Hedge. They reported, they put, they tweeted out this graph. It was like a tree graph of all of FTX's investors, subsidiaries, God knows what else, because I, I couldn't really discern what was going on there. But it was attached to a claim that what's going on with FTX in this crash right here is bigger than Enron. Now, I'm going to be looking for someone who can explain both Enron and FTX as far as magnitude of the respective crimes, et cetera, et cetera, because I won't be able to digest it for you, but I think um, that, that's, pretty, that's pretty big stuff. That's a pretty big claim. As far as this uh, Bankman guy, take a listen to this. FTX was founded in 2019 and somehow managed to quickly become the biggest name in crypto. Sponsored by uh, sponsored the MLB and basketball arenas, SBF clearly or heavily lobbying members of Congress. His face is all over the place as the next Warren Buffett. There he is. Now, oh, there's the Sam Bankman freed, fried. How'd he elevate to such a position so quickly? Let's look at his parents. His dad has written about and made a career off of getting rid of the cash economy and helping the government find tax evasion, uh, uh, find tax evasion. Odd that his son is the biggest name in crypto and uh, evasion of all types. His mom is a major Democrat operative. What do you know? They're always, they're always just brought up so, so nicely. Looks like the CEO of FTX and SBF's girlfriend also had connections in high places. In my opinion, this whole thing seems like a weirdly arranged business sexual partnership with ulterior motives. SBF was one of the largest donors to Democrat candidates, second only to George Soros. SBF gave the second largest donation to Joe Biden's presidential campaign in 2020. One month after the war in Ukraine started, DC puppet Zelensky partnered with SBF for crypto donations. We've got to come out, uh, we've come to find out that Sam's minimalist, poor lifestyle was actually completely a front. 
He drives a Corolla, he said. He lives in the Bahamas in a multi-million dollar mansion with his closest circle of friends where they have drug-fueled orgies, apparently. This is from Crypto BitLord. It says, it turns out that 10 of the FTX in employees and founders were involved romantically. We're talking Sam, Caroline, and company. I'm not sure what's worse, losing our money or having to imagine that orgy. Two weeks ago, a big-name crypto developer who lived in Puerto Rico was sounding the alarm on the CIA and Mossad running a pedo elite cult in the Caribbean. Shot and chaser. So here it is. CIA and Mossad and pedo elite are running some kind of sex trafficking entrapment blackmail ring out of Puerto Rico and Caribbean islands. They are going to frame me with a laptop planted by my ex-girlfriend who was a spy. They will torture me to death. This is this is what um, this is what Greg Carlwood was talking about, and then we have this on November first of this year. Maker DAO co-founder Nikolai Mushigin Mushigin dies at twenty nine in Puerto Rico. He was an important figure in crypto community, contributing to multiple projects including Maker DAO, BitShares, and Balancer. So, weird, frightening stuff, absolutely frightening stuff. Now, where it gets even more interesting, Alameda Research, headed up by Ellison, mentioned earlier, and under FTX brand, here's their logo. Now, this is where they start getting into all of the FBI, the FBI, um, I, I would have to, catalog of different groups that that um that prey on children so like nambla and girl child lover stuff and all that now we all know the triangle spiral so they're making they're making some kind of comparisons to alameda research i can see that and then uh sam's default picture from twitter has the heart inside of the heart the child love that, that looks just like the child love heart so there's more on that coming out. That's that's where we were going earlier on in the in the the um, the week with Greg Carlwood and the things that people on the on the internet are talking about. Of course, it's just being turned into a. It, it, as more mainstream you go with the media, you'll have people like Jesse Waters who are willing to talk about how this was an obvious, at least in part, money laundering scam with all the tax dollars that was st- all of our income that was stolen under the guise of taxes and sent off to Ukraine to fight a war that we have no uh, business being involved in, but have been involved in from the very start years ago. So obviously there's a part of that that is safe enough for people to talk about, even in places like like uh, Fox News, that billions, at least a couple of billions of dollars, has been washed through a war-torn country. And that's the other thing. I know it's the most cliche thing in the world to say this at this point, but can you imagine if, say, Donald Trump were in office and he was pumping tens of billions of dollars into a war-torn country only to have that country partner with a bunch of MIT weirdos who started a crypto exchange and proceeded to wash billions of dollars back into the United States to benefit Trump's party in the midterm election? Can you just imagine what we would be going through right now? Can you imagine? So that is as that, that's as deep as most people 
in the corporate media are going are willing to entertain the story. But uh, it, everybody else who uh, sees a story and is not easily distracted, they at least spend a couple more weeks get, trying to get an understanding of the people involved and what was, uh, what was really going on behind the curtain. So I want to get somebody on uh, to talk about this, talk about this as far as from that, that magnitude standpoint of the crime. I have to find somebody to come on and, uh, and put it into a very easily digestible form for me and for many in the audience. But as far as body language goes, Memeology 101 put something out. I love the Memeology page. They put something out on the Sam Bankman, and uh, whereas I didn't play that clip, I didn't have time to play the clip a couple of days ago where Bombard's body language was breaking down that interview that he was doing with Michael Levine of Bloomberg, where Levine was pretty much asking him, where where did all this money come from so quickly? Which, of course, he's obviously the recipient of a windfall of just Fed dollars, obviously. Obviously. Take a look at this. They just re- released a video earlier today called Body Language Says It All. This was from September of this year. You think every money you spend in politics should be disclosed publicly? Now you-, you can see you don't even have a full-on view of his face yet. You only have an over-the-shoulder view of him. You see his crazy, ridiculous hair. I, I saw people saying, wow, he lies so incredibly well. He's going to be a great politician. So get the hell out of here. The only thing that this that this thing is physically capable of doing, the only, the only role that this thing can play is that of the eccentric tech savant. He is at a, a mess. Look at him shaking. You can see from the, just the, the rear view of him, he's shaking. I'm going to go back a little bit. And just watch. Just look at his shoulders. You can see his whole body shaking. He's a mess. Money you spend in politics should be disclosed publicly. Are you comfortable with that? I think that I. I think what I would say is, you know, if there was a norm where every dollar that ever in donated mm-hmm. in politics was to be disclosed publicly, um, I would have a, a lot of sympathy for that. I think I might support it. I haven't thought carefully about it enough to know. But well, it I sounds so. like what you're saying is, maybe there's some donations that you have made that you wouldn't make if you knew they were going to be immediately public. So. I think I don't I don't generally think about it that way. I generally Fair think enough. of it as like these are these are the right uh, you know the right contributions to make. Mm-hmm. How's it going now? Crypto giant FTX collapses into bankruptcy. You know, on the balance sheet of FTX is a line called Trump lose. And Sam was the second biggest donor to Democratic candidates. I'm going to leave it to everybody else to draw their own conclusions about what you're saying here. Right. Those are those are really, really ugly facts when you see a fraud of this magnitude having played out and you find no regulators were there to prevent it. Ah, see, that's something that they're going to obviously be able to latch on to whenever the initial sting of this goes away. Like we said before, it's already been a month since we learned about the uh, play date at the Pelosi house, and that's gone. But when the sting of this goes away, what it will be relegated to is just uh, a, a prime example of why crypto needs to be regulated. It just needs to be regulated. First, it was being investigated, but now that the New York Fed 
and uh, I, and and Mastercard and everybody else are ready to roll this thing out on a large scale. Uh, n- now we have to make sure we rein in everybody else because there can only be one. So there you have it. A little bit of body language from the freak, and uh, he, apparently he's still in the Bahamas or still on the run or something. All right, more questions and more topics from the audience. Let's see. Let's see here. Ken Curtis. Ken Curtis says, does Trump deserve a second chance? That's a question you guys and gals can tell me in the Super Chats when we get to that later on. Hell, uh, I mean, I, I was very interested to see what Trump would do with a second and final term. Listen, we are... We are heading down to the surface. We're going down to the surface. There is going to be a great reset. The question was who was going to be in control of the reset. The world should not be kept status quo. Nobody wants it to be status quo. Those who are in control right now want to transition us into a new game that they control where they can bring all of the, um, all of the they want to bring the odometer back to zero start over all over again and even a even a, in a in a better handicap position than they were before and the rest of us we don't want the status quo so yeah we are uh we're working hoping and praying for a a reset so i mean someone like a donald trump especially for a federal government that is hopeless was always just a matter of is this guy going to create some kind of drag some kind of wind resistance on the way down that would be great to get some of our spirit back, to get some of our uh, our ingenuity back, to get to get our a little bit of the boot off our throats, to to really allow us to go and and thrive again. And uh, if everything collapses in in Washington D.C., uh, hopefully our states, our counties, our communities will be strong enough to get on without them for a little bit. That would be wonderful. That's the uh, the the rainbow and unicorns end. But hell, I, I was interested to see what Trump would do, and still am. I mean, it's the only situation, uh, the only it's the only situation that could yield unexpectedly good outcomes. And why is that? Because he's the only person, at least in my opinion, who has had has the brand recognition and the media experience to break the traditional selection system. You say, "Oh, Frank, everybody's selected." Not so. Some people are infiltrated and co-opt. Uh, that was a story of of Ronald Reagan, that was a co-op job. You know, sometimes sometimes you just need to be able to place bets at all ends of the roulette table. It doesn't mean that you control where the ball lands. It's just that you just place bets. Uh, and, and again, we, we have nothing to lose. So 2024 does not change... Um, does not change our options as individuals and communities and all that. And for some of us states, if you, if you uh, live in a sane state... It doesn't change any of our responsibilities. So um, I, I would, I would, I would love for Trump to get in again, win a third time. First time anybody would be doing that since FDR. Good on him. To hell with it. I, I want to have a good. I'm going to have a good time no matter what. That would be just tremendous. Uh, but but for that to happen, there is a lot of insane things that are, that, that are going. There's going to be a lot of celebrating from now until then. If that's going to happen, because that means that most of the Midwest are going to have to do away with mail-in ballots. 
something is going to have to break in places like California, in Arizona, in Pennsylvania. Scott Pressler better get his ass on the tour, uh, on the, uh, uh, on the, uh, the whatchamacallit, tour across the country, teaching people and recruiting people how to go and ballot harvest. Better happen. I mean, that, that's, the, that's the only way it's going to happen if you're going to be competitive in those so-called battleground states that have been completely locked down by uh, mail-in ballots. Until you can get them to go away, you got to find a way to win uh, at ballot harvesting. That's it. I was watching a little bit Dr. Peter Turley. Um, I think it was earlier on today when he was talking about how there were some really interesting gains in Orange County in California. Um, play some some seats that were won over in 2018 when they started the trick or treating ballot harvesting, and that that um, that Republicans were were doing it and they're starting to get good at it and uh, and they were winning. So uh, <laughs> if we're watching this play out, this game, that could be interesting. That could be really interesting because I know there's tens of thousands of people that that sign up to watch the polls now. Can you imagine if you have a couple thousand more people sign up to be ballot harvesters? You know, you canvass, you know where all the Republican households are, and you go house to house and collecting collecting ballots wherever wherever it's legal because obviously it's just those those states that are on the edge. People who are, are really care about sanity aren't doing it. So there's going to be a lot of things to talk about, to cheer about, to gasp about before 2024 even rolls around. But if you're in a position to offset all of the, the – go watch Razor Fist. I put that into the network content playlist for later on this, uh, this weekend. But Razor Fist put out another awesome breakdown. What happened during the midterms? It's nine minutes long. I shared it in the Telegram. I'll put it on the, on the air over the weekend for Sunday night. It's brilliant, and it's and, and it's just uh, it lays it all out there for you. Lays it all out there for you. So that'll be interesting. So yeah, does he deserve a second chance? Why not? Why not? I, I mean, why not? He he's the only one that brings a certain X factor to the table that can actually even get the chance on the ballot. Any one of us can can declare our running for president. And, of course, we'll have much better stances on pandemic response and on vaccine development. We would there would be I can pick four people at random in this audience right now, and they would probably have better. Better policies than Trump in a number of areas just by chance. I could probably pick that. But as far as the game that is played here and who we have a better shot at actually having something unexpectedly good happen with. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. And and plus, they continue to do everything that they can to assassinate the man's character and everything else. Some would say that assassination, actual assassination, would have been easier than what they've done to him so far. But you can't do something like that without being completely exposed these days. You know, what you think about this, one man, Abraham Zepruder, one man and his 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 solitary eight millimeter silent video camera exposed the entire lie about JFK. They actually had to go and edit that too. You can see him getting shot in the throat. You can see that they slowed they uh, they slowed the camera down um, and sped it up because of course they the, the kill shot came from the sewer, all that stuff. So um, 
And then, and then after that, we went into the age of the MK Ultra Assassin. Yeah, that's where we get the Sirhan Sirhans, the Hinkleys, and others. But the programming on that wears off. And then we have this. Then we have this. Check this out. World Net Daily. Democrats fear Trump so much they want to block his White House run. They claim he's ineligible because of the January 6th riot. You know what they're doing here? They're bringing up the 14th Amendment which bars anyone who engaged in an act of insurrection or rebellion from holding certain public offices, including the presidency. They're going back to the Civil War to say, that, no, 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 he can't run. E- even though they've built up a system that should, right now, unless, the, if nobody does anything constructive to counter it, no Republican of, of any merit outside of the Jeb Bush class of people will ever become president again. They're still... They still want to make sure that they just push him off another four years. He'll still be eligible in four years, but then he'll be 82 or, or whatever the hell. So they, they know that his political viability is almost done, and they just want to be able to make this so that he does not have any chance, any chance to come in and screw up their game or delay anything for any amount of time. Now, now we're going to do some history because I thought that this was interesting to see this. I'm going to bring up a little something that we haven't talked about in a while. I have several books on the topic, but um, that well, that touch on the topic. But since they are all living in Rubbermaid containers in my basement right now for the time being, I found an adequate blog that we can jump into this. And what is it? It's a little. Uh, it's a blog, a history blog by Bill Ward, called Post. War, Jefferson Davis, the famous trial that never was. So it's about the end of the Confederacy, end of the war uh, between the states. And I wanted, I want to bring up, I want you to think about the 14th Amendment. This is a very interesting story. Take a couple of minutes, but who cares? It's the last 10 minutes of the first hour. When the war between the states ended, the victorious Northerners viewed Jefferson Davis as the former president of the Confederate States of America much differently than others who had served the Confederacy. For example, when Robert E. Lee surrendered to U.S. Grant at Appomattox Courthouse, the meeting between the two generals was uh, amicable. Lee was received and treated with courtesy as a senior officer. The terms were so apparently lenient with Grant conceding to Lee's requests on behalf of his soldiers, the surrender was referred to as a gentleman's agreement. However, even after signing the loyalty oath, Lee and other former Confederate uh, Confederate Army officers and members of the CSA government were later disenfranchised and treated as second-class citizens. But in the eyes of the Northern public, Jefferson Davis was set apart for still a different kind of treatment. On May 10, 1865, about a mile from the town of Irwinville, Georgia, Uh, Federal troops captured Davis. With his arrest on that spring morning, his government ceased to exist. His wife, Verena, and his children were sent to Savannah, where she was kept under uh, virtual house arrest and forbidden to leave the city. Because the soldiers, carpetbaggers, and union supporters treated the, the Davis children so badly, Verena arranged for them to go to Canada along with her mother. Davis had been taken back to Virginia and imprisoned at Fort Monroe, where he would stay for the next two years. At first, he was bound in leg irons. Guards watched him around the clock, but were not permitted to speak to him. He was allowed no visitors. A light burned in his cell day and night, and his only reading material was a Bible. His treatment was clear violation of the Bill of Rights. Sound like a a certain class of people that have been sitting in uh, D.C. jails for the last almost two years now? 
Many northern congressmen and newspapers were nothing short of vicious in their public attacks of Davis. They wanted to see him tried for treason and hanged. In one article and one very long sentence, the New York Times referred to Davis by every insulting comment and offensive name that was fit to print. Rhetoric far outran legal reasoning. But if Davis Davis was in an unusual but Davis but if Davis was in an unusual legal predicament, so was the United States government. The dilemma faced by Washington was how to handle the Davis case. The government under Lincoln had created its own major obstacles by spending four years proclaiming that secessionists were traitors and conspirators. The U.S. military had silenced opposition to the administration by closing down newspapers, over 300, that dared challenge the party line or make the slightest suggestion that secession might be legal. Thousands of Northerners had been jailed, over 10,000 for exercising their First Amendment rights, and those thousands had friends with long memories in the Northern Bar. Northern lawyers were angry for having their clients locked in prison with no civil rights as guaranteed by the Constitution, having civilians tried by military courts for non-existent crimes, having a government that ignored the Supreme Court setting itself above the constitutional plan of checks and balances. They didn't like having to beg the president for justice for clients convicted by phony court marshals or locked up for long periods of time without any trial. Under Lincoln, the U.S. government had become tyrannical and certainly anything but a free and constitutional society. The best lawyers of the day were willing to volunteer to defend for, uh, Jefferson Davis because they were angry at the way Lincoln's government had trampled the Bill of Rights and the Constitution for four years. Even those who didn't believe in secession were repulsed by the conduct of the Republican administration and the U.S. military. In fact, I think that uh, Northern abolitionists like uh, Horace Greeley helped put up some money for Jefferson Davis's bail. Charles O'Connor of New York, one of the most famous trial lawyers of the era and man of great stature in legal profession, volunteered to be Davis's counsel. Salmon P. Chase, Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court, would be the trial judge. But interesting things began to happen. The government's dilemma became even worse. University of Virginia law professor Albert Bledsoe published a book, Is Davis a Traitor? Bledsoe methodically took apart the, pay, uh, the case against secession, delivering a solid blow to the prosecutors and dampening their zeal to try Davis. Prosecutors actually began to look for a way to avoid trying Davis without vindicating the South. Because as we've talked about on this show many times before, it is just clear and open there for everybody to see historical fact that secessionist movements and sentiments were far more pronounced in the North, far more pronounced. There were so many secessionist plots that came at varying degrees of readiness to go ahead. I mean, I mean, as early as we, we, we can talk about it over and over again, and we will again one day, but secession is something that is a very, very real American option. There is nothing there. The Constitution was a contract entered into willingly by co-equal parties. It is ridiculous to think that coming out of the war era, that everybody just band together to fight off the, the, the uh, preeminent uh, military power on the planet, that they were going to enter into a contract for which there was no exit, that they're creating. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. 
Then another method was decided, decided on for prosecution. Another method was decided on for prosecution of Davis. The attorney general would bring in an outsider, independent counsel, as we have seen in modern times, such as in Watergate or the Clinton scandals. The government needed someone of great standing in legal community to be the lead prosecutor. It chose John J. Clifford. But after reviewing the case, Clifford withdrew and citing grave doubts about the validity of the case. The government could end up, quote, having fought a successful war only to have it declared unlawful by a Virginia jury, end quote, where Davis, where Davis's crime was alleged to have been committed. President Johnson, Lincoln's successor, thought the easiest way out would be to pardon Davis as he had pardoned many other Confederates, but Davis refused, saying, quote, to ask for a pardon would be a confession of guilt, end quote. He wanted a trial to have an issue of secession decided by a court of law, where it should have been decided to begin with instead of on a battlefield. Most Southerners wanted the same. Northerners either forgot or were unaware of a great secessionist tradition in America. Southerners were not alone in their view that each state had the right to determine its own destiny in the Union. The procedure for joining the Union also applied to withdrawing from the Union. That thought harkens back to the editorial uh, by Cincinnati, Ohio Daily Inquirer in the summer of 1861 after the quote-unquote traitor label was let loose by the North. Quote, the Republican papers are great on treason. It's treason to circulate petitions for compromise or peaceful readjustment of our national troubles, to question the constitutional powers of the president, to increase the standing army without authority of law, to object to squads of military visiting private houses, and to make search and seizures, to uh, question the infallibility of the president, and and treason not to concur with him. It is treason to talk of hard times, to say that the war might have been avoided. It is treason to be truthful and faithful to the Constitution, end quote. That person was probably thrown in jail. A year after John Clifford withdrew, the government appointed another special counsel, Richard Dana of Boston, who had written the novel two years before the mast. But after reviewing the evidence, he agreed with Clifford the case was a loser. Dana argued that, quote, a conviction will settle nothing in law or in national practice not now settled as a rule of law by war, end quote. Dana observed that the right to secede from the Union had not been settled by civilized means, but by military power and the destruction of much life and property in the South. The North should accept its uncivilized victory, however dirty its hands might be, and not expose the fruits of its carnage to scrutiny by a peaceful court of law. Think about that. Now, over two years after Davis's imprisonment and grand jury indictments for treason, the stage was set for the great public trial of the century. Davis had been released from prison on a $100,000 bond, supported by none other than Horace Greeley, as I said, the leading abolitionist writer in the North and a former Lincoln supporter. Greeley and a host of others were outraged at the treatment Davis had received, being locked up in a dungeon for more than two years with no speedy trial. Since two famous uh, special counsels had told the government its case was a loser, finally, none other than Chief Justice, in a quirk of constitutional manipulation, devised an idea to avoid a trial without vindicating the South. His amazing solution was little short of genius. The 14th Amendment had been adopted, which provided that anyone who had engaged in insurrection against the United States and had one time taken an oath of allegiance, which Davis had done as a U.S. Senator, could not hold public office. 
The Bill of Rights prevents double jeopardy, so Davis, who had already been punished once by the 14th Amendment in not being permitted to hold public office, couldn't be tried and punished again for treason. Chief Justice Salmon P. Chase secretly passed along his clever argument to Davis's counsel, Charlie O'Connor, Charles O'Connor, who then made the motion to, to dismiss. The court took the motion under consideration, passing the matter onto the Supreme Court for determination. In late December 1867, while the motion was pending, President Johnson granted amnesty to everyone in the South, including Davis, but the Davis case was still on the docket. And in February of 1868, at a dinner party attended by the Chief Justice and government attorney, they agreed that on the following day, a motion for non-prosecution would be made that would dismiss the case. A guest overheard the conversation and reported what was on the minds of most Southerners. Quote, I did not consider that he, Davis, was any more guilty of treason than I was, and that a trial should be insisted upon, which could properly only result in a complete vindication of our cause, and of action of many thousands who had fought, and of the many thousands who had died for what they felt to be right, end quote. And so the case of United States versus Jefferson Davis came to an end, a case that was to be the trial of the century, a great state trial, perhaps the most significant trial in the history of the nation. It never was. Now, <clears throat> we uh, obviously there's a lot of people scratching their heads, but the Southern cause was slavery. No, that was part of it all. That was, that was part of the, the picture, and it became a lot more prominent a part of the picture in 1862, 63, when we were already a few years in and they were realizing it was going to be a lot more costly the south had a lot more fight though they did not have the resources to win ultimately unless they recruited the allegiances of some foreign powers in europe which would that was also happening but um there, there's a lot going on here and uh the slavery question is something that is complicated and a part of the picture but it's not the central focus just it's just not um, the 14th Amendment, this is why it's the Miracle Amendment. You could use it to make anything you want constitutional by declaring it a so-called civil right, or you can disqualify the candidates you don't like with it. It's just copy and paste. So this is an example of the 14th Amendment being used to avoid tremendous embarrassment of having caused 100 million American deaths and widespread destruction in the South, only to have it found in court that the feds were the true aggressors here. And now 150... Or so years later, desperate commies are trying to use the 14th Amendment to avoid being beaten by Donald Trump for a third time. And how? Ironically enough, they're avoiding responsibility for a long and destructive insurrection that for the most part has been waged through media and education, but certainly went hot in 2020. An, in an insurrection they're the cause for. They want to avoid a responsibility for that and project it onto their enemies via January 6th. And January 6th was even more of a harmless setup than Fort Sumter was, okay? And you say, well, oh my, but, but Sumter, no, nothing. It was a bombardment. And, and uh, I don't even think anybody got hurt, okay? South Carolina voted with crushing majority to peacefully leave the Union, a peaceful exit. It was a democratic will of the people of South Carolina. No matter what their motivations were, it does not matter. Okay, the only reason why everybody else left afterwards is because they saw how the feds 
um, uh, you know, pretty much stacked up all their forces against South Carolina and became abusive ex-lovers. That's when everybody else starts saying, you know what, fuck this, this is bad. Okay? So they, they vote in crushing majority to leave the Union. Then Lincoln orders Fort Sumter to be resupplied, knowing that it is going to evoke a reaction because Sumter is now technically a Union military installment that lives inside of a literal foreign nation. That's what, that's what South Carolina was at this point. They had spoken, the will of the people in South Carolina, that was it. They're, they're gone. So um, it's just interesting that they're using the 14th Amendment, or they want to cite the 14th Amendment 150-some-odd years later um, to, to avoid having to take responsibility for their insurrection and project it onto others. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's incredible. You know, they say history does not repeat itself, but it sure does rhyme. And we will be right back in just a little bit. It's 8.04 p.m. Thank you, guys and gals, for the company. We have so much more, including New World Order stuff, because more audience-suggested stuff is on the other side of the, in, the, uh, the intermission. So don't go anywhere. Be right back. Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Yeah, Intermission. Frankly. Quite 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 frankly. We all support quite frankly. Quite frankly. Let's go, Brandon. Not quite. Quite frankly in Roma Italia. I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch, quite frankly, with Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? I was just reminded I was just reminded that on, welcome back to the show, I was reminded by John Carroll, quite frankly writer, that in January of 2021, we actually published a blog on quitefrankly.tv. If you go to the blog section, it, um, that details northern secessionist movements 
especially the one that resulted in Alexander Hamilton's death. Well, it wasn't the movement itself, that, but Alexander Hamilton's death and Aaron Burr uh, f- firing the shot, uh, that really put an end, a definitive end, to a, a big secessionist plot that actually started here in New York that was supposed to be triggered shortly afterwards. But um, that is, you can find that from, I think, I think that the, 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 the default picture is a picture of uh, General Lee, Pepe. It's Pepe General Lee. So get into the blog and you can read that on your own. Let's get some super chats going, shall we? Shall we? All right. Let's see here. Big Red. Big Red is in the chat room. Well, let's just start from the beginning. 45 minutes ago, Sean Haig says, Frank, that guy singing I've Been... Sounds like uh, the I Love Cocaine T-Rex, yeah. That's Cinderella. It's a great song, though. Long Cold Winter. Anonymous. Thank you so much, Anonymous. Says, uh, if your carry involves body hair, you need to rethink it. Shaving is not the answer. Well, it was just a weird hypothetical. Let, let's say, but thank you, Anonymous. It's, you're very, and you're very generous, and thank you so much. I guess it's, let's just say there is an unforeseen situation where your, your, your pubes are just so out of control that it actually did create some sort of a problem for your holster situation. Maybe it's a problem that you can't even foresee, you can't even think of, and, um, I don't know, but yeah, probably shaving's not the answer for that, well. Uh, Sean Haig again says, last name's pronounced Haug, 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 okay, Haug, just wanted to clarify, love your show, man, coming up on two years, every show, P.S., so glad I got a genuine laugh out of you with the National Treasure reference a couple of weeks back, well, good job, good job, Mr. Haug, hopefully I remember that tomorrow, uh, Stostube, Nice tips. There's no message, just dropping some love for the show. I'm dropping love for you guys out there, too. Hope you're well. You and the wife. Um, okay, Big Red said, Awesome show tonight, Frank. As far as the war between the states go, one needs to look no further than the conspiracy that funded John Brown's Harper Ferry's raid uh, and what it actually accomplished to see that the constitutional contract had been broken. Southern economy was based on agriculture and therefore slavery. We can talk about that some other time. Northern economy was based on manufacturing, but where do people think the northern factories were getting their raw materials? The 13th Amendment gave the U.S. government a monopoly on slavery. Well, I mean, the, um, the, Cor- the Corwin Amendment, uh, the first 13th Amendment that, uh, that Abraham Lincoln himself uh, stood by would have etched slavery into permanence. You know, it's called the Ghost Amendment. Uh, there was other there was other things that L- uh, Lincoln was willing to do to allow slavery to uh, continue on and and not make this was so much more of a tax issue uh, keeping the union together because of income because of uh, you know national government ways of thinking I'm telling you the uh, it, it's there's a lot more there there's a lot more there especially when you look into to Lincoln Lincoln's not the I mean. He's not the saint that everybody says he was. Nobody is, obviously. Nobody is. 
not even Jefferson Davis. But um, there's a lot more going on here. Let's see. Moving along, moving along on to Rumble. Rumble's having a good time over there. Hope you uh, are doing well, my friends. Rockfin, Tina Hagen says, Blessings to you and your family, friends, and viewers. Thank you so much, Tina, over there on Rockfin. And on to Foxhole. On to Foxhole. We got a good amount of people saying, Hey, Sean Joe, what's up? Uh, Lee Talty, or L. Talty 440 says Francis you do some great work keep up the good job I wish thank you so much for that I just wish that my cameras would keep up a decent job so that you're not getting any of these bootleg camera angles anymore um, River Pike says peace and long life to you buddy thank you that's that's very nice that's a very nice thing to think about a peaceful long life Thank you, Sean Joe. Talty says it's only gay if you're a chiropractor. That you you're right. Actually, that's that's a big factor we did not put into this into the thinking so far. K uh, C Kretz says to help fix your shit. I don't know if this is gonna help me fix anything. I don't know if it's gonna help me fix anything. Thank you, Kretz. It, it's just like it's a it's a freeze. What I gotta do is. I got to get rid of this this USB hub down there and see if I can go direct in because that has that's been the thing screwed it up let's see for new cams cave toad says the cameras are fine I promise you the cameras are fine would you mind a suggestion thread for the forums keep up the would you mind a suggestion thread for the forums keep up the great work Frank what do you mean would you mind a suggestion for thread for the forums? Well, I have pinned all of the threads that are active right now. They're going that are going to be featured on future shows. As I said last night, and I tweeted this today, I have a thread that was started by Krista. Um, see Krista in the in the Discord. Rob's Krista. It is a Frank's Giving thread. I put it out before. Where the hell is it? I thought that would be nice since we are a week away from Thanksgiving. Here it is. Hold on. Here it is. I'm going to put this to the... Where am I? Sticky this? I'm going to stick the topic to the top. Okay. Great. So I, sticked the to I, I stuck this to topic to the top of the forum. You can go see it there. Thanksgiving. Share something unique or random that you are thankful for. That's nice. That's something we can do from now until next Thursday. So go and jump in on that. Quite frankly, TV, hit the forum thing, and it's going to be one of a few topics, about a half a dozen topics that I have stuck to the top of the forum so that they don't get lost in the fray there. So jump in on that one. It's a little more seasonal, and then we'll do something else. Keep looking at the wrong camera. All right, all right. I think that's oh, a few more. Sorry. Uh, River Pike, thank you. Silver and gold. Talty says, fix your shit again. Cookie fight now by Witchy Poo. Kratz is dropping EMPs on me. Jeez. Kratz, thank you. This, this, this is, uh, so amazing of you. Thank you. Doug Simmy with the can. Now EMPs are flowing from everybody. I guess that's just, is that because of the set the charge music video from last night? 
I can't compete with the high rollers, said Witchy Poo 20. Oh, Witchy Poo, you, you've got so much in the bank with us. Thank you. And for the EMP droppers out there, you guys are really, um, you're making us blush right now. Thank you. Uh, for all that you know, EMP, when I see cans, I say cookies and all that, it's pretty much, you know how on DLive they have lemons? It's like they're in, it's the on-platform currency that you can use to support people that, that translates into U.S. dollars. Well, Foxhole has created something, it's, it's the most independent platform that we are on, um, very independent, and it is what powers, quite frankly, .TV from a, uh, so a multimedia sense. And it's definitely, it's the home of the Quite Frankly Network. So that is a way that people choose to support the network and the show through a little bit more, uh, you know, private and trustworthy means. People trust it and they have fun with it. Because, you know, it's cookies. Throwing cookies around. All right. Um... You should keep the link for the forums that overlay text. Okay. Thank you so much for that cave to it. I'll keep pushing the forum out there. And we are getting just uh, bombarded by EMPs. I don't know what the hell's going on right now, but you guys are, uh, are, are amazing. Thank you. Tom Ford. There goes the rest of mine. Everybody's just... This is the Thanksgiving moment right here. I feel like it's the end of uh, It's a Wonderful Life, and everybody's rushing in to help me avoid the tax collectors. Wow. Thank you to River Pike and Rustafar. I'll add to the total. Not an EMP, but hey. Oh, you guys, everything uh, is much appreciated. I don't even know how to thank you right now. Um, Witchy Poo and T. Talty. Damn. Omazon. Witchy Poo again. Tom Ford. Abe, it's only gay if you make it gay. Just shave your pubes and don't let uh, don't make your lady floss. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about that too. So, you know, if you have this bush coming out that is affecting your holster, I just feel so bad for your lady. Oh my gosh, it's like the tall grass in uh, in in Jurassic Park. All right. More from Cave Toad. Cave Toad. New pill record, Frank? I think so. I'm probably going to get a message from Matt from Pilled. Matt1776. He's probably going to get in touch with me and say, Frank, do you know what just happened last night? I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I can say. Um, CB Joey321. Thank you so much, my friend. Let's have a drink together right now. And Led to Gold sent a smiley face. Thank you all very much. All right. Now we're going on to a little bit more of your suggestions. And I'm going to have to think of something special to do on the on the network to thank everybody on on uh, on Foxhole right now. But we'll do that some other time. Here's a little bit more of your suggestions. Someone, Andy, says, hey, Frank, can you cover this? Steven Crowder tweeted out a a moment from June when they had that World Government Summit. We were talking about this back then, but this clip is going around again, and it's about the New World Order being dropped at the World Government Summit. All right, so um, let's uh, let's jump to that right now. I think it'll be pretty interesting, and then I'll play you a little bit extended clip of that. So here it is. This is from June 3rd of this year. Are you ready for a New World Order? <laughs> well, shit. <laughs> so so that's what he put out there because uh, of course they tell you there is no such thing as a new world order she says it again Becky Anderson are you 
ready for a new world order? <laughs> yes, yes. Now, obviously, it's a, the, most people would say, oh, Frank, it was tongue-in-cheek. She's just being a little cheeky. Yes, at the World Government Forum, the World Government Summit, she made a joke about New World Order. There's a couple of different things that you could have avoided doing altogether if you really, if you really wanted people to think that this was nothing. But anyway, uh, here you go. This is just listen to the first minute of this, because we talked about it back in June. But listen to this. Your Excellency, are you ready for a new world order? I think, uh, Becky, the, pro the main problem is, uh, if you think of the technology, the technology is 21st century, 22nd uh, century technology. What is happening in AI, what is happening uh, everywhere, really, that will really transform and is transforming our lives and also transforming uh, international relations. But I think the, uh, the frame of thinking is still 19th century. I think this is one of the problems that we have in the international system. Where if you look, we are still, it's still about nationalism, it's still about state sovereignty, it's still about use of force or non-use of force. And I think this is one of the major, major issues. As Did you hear that? That's just the first minute of this, 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 this bullshit. So you have this Saudi guy that's uh, for the, the woman sets it all up. Oh, are you ready for a new world order? And she has this little this little uh, cheeky smile. She's just so like, <laughs> you just like what I did there. And then he just gets right very serious about it. Oh, the problem is that people are too free. It's exactly what he just said. He said, if you think about it, we're in 21st and 22nd century technology land right now. AI all the w different different ways we're digitizing uh, currency and everything else when um, in, 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 in an internationalist sense this 21st 22nd century kind of thinking that we have with our technology is really starting to come and butt heads with 18th century 19th century ways of thinking about national state sovereignty and nationalism you know freedom the ability for representative government for people to be able to uh, live in, 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 a, in a place that is dictated by whatever culture is meaningful to them. They're talking about how the, what, all the values we have, all the traditional values we have, we need that we've already been pulled away from through education and every other kind of prop propagandistic um, mode over the last hundred or so years. He's saying that we need to be wrestled away from the last bits of that tradition in order to be able to go into their AI nightmare where he and all of their corporatist friends are, uh, are in control of the systems that dictate every last moment of our lives, where we can get every latte we want to sip on, uh, d down, to, down to making sure that everybody is only allowed and allotted a certain amount of meat, beef, every month that we're eating all the same things thinking all the same things held together by the same systems this is just the first minute and i love it because they're talking they're talking about the new world order at the world government summit and here is a little context label that pops up from wikipedia new world order the new world order is a conspiracy theory which hypothesizes 
a secretly emerging totalitarian world government. Secretly emerging totalitarian world government. So that, that thank you for the context, Wikipedia. It's exactly what we needed. Um, we just needed somebody to to be there, ready to tell us that everything that's happening on the screen isn't actually happening. That's where we are right now. So we covered this back when, and uh, they love you. They love you. That's what it is. That's what it is. They just love you. You can trust them. We can all trust them. So this clip is going around again now, a few months later, and it's nuts. But you know what other clip has been going around that I really like? There is, talking about New World Order and those who have been brave enough to actually push back on it, and I'm sure that everybody out there is going to be, uh, many people at least, are going to be able to suggest many more names that I'm, I could rattle off on the top of my head. But here is the late Congressman Larry McDonald, I believe he was a Democrat from Georgia or something like that, in 1983 discussing the New World Order and how the, uh, the world government system works. And he's on crossfire. I think he's with Pat Buchanan and this other stiff who I, I don't know his name, but he, as you'll see soon off in the, uh, in the clip, he's a member of the Trilateral Commission. He gets a little bit indignant that he could be a part of something that is, uh, is actually destroying a truly liberal um, representative world order here in the United States. So take a listen to this. It's only four minutes and 45 seconds long. Uh, 1983, this was on television. It's just incredible. I, I think it's a nice time capsule piece. So let's just watch this for a little bit. Well, no, I don't think so. Yeah, I'm a member of the Council on Foreign Relations. You, you, well, you have certainly. Well, no, he's he's a member of the Council on Foreign Relations too, which was uh, which was the consolation prize for all the globalists here in the United States after uh, after uh, what's his what's his name uh, after we were able to avoid entering into the League of Nations after World War One. That was the consolation prize, setting up the CFR and all that other stuff. It's Let me just tell you what Newsweek says that says this. The John Birch Society considers communism only one arm of a national of a master conspiracy in which socialist American insiders are plotting to establish world government. Now, it also says, and here's director John McManus, that's your public relations director, saying that former Secretary of State Alexander Haig and CIA Director William Casey are two of these master conspirators who are plotting to establish world government. Now, what do you say? You know, that kind of silly, asinine statement is what makes, pe makes people laugh at the John Birch Society. Well, oh, the John Birch Society, they were 100% right. 100% right. And uh, people laughing are, are just, as you can see, that they, they were still way too, think about how uncomfortable we are right now. And there's still so much that can be stripped away from us until we realize just how bad and hell-bent on enslaving us these people who are in control really are. Back then in 1983, people were very comfortable. 1983, uh, things were rocking and rolling. Man. Tom, I'm sure, being a long-standing member of the Rockefeller apparatus, uh, and as a member of the Council on Foreign Relations of long-standing, you're fully aware that you, there is an elitist core in this country that has seen value in subsidizing communism, of protecting communism. It has? Sure. You're accusing me of subsidizing communism? No, no, I'm saying because that I happen is, to belong no, to a... No, to there a, is an elite core. Study group? No, no, wait a minute. 
There is an elite core in this country that has dominated American society. Well, I'm not one of them. Well, I mean, trilateral say, commission. A trilateral commission. Council on Foreign Relations. State they Department, I suppose. Well, let's face it. They've dominated the State Department for 40 years, mm -hmm. and uh, pretty much openly All right, so. but what are they trying to do? Well, their now? objective is to try to bring about a gradual transition in our society, a dissolving of sovereignty, and a moving steadily to the left on the political spectrum. Well, who are they? Belief, the elitist groups that I mentioned, particularly key individuals and policymakers in the Council on Foreign Relations. Is the Monetary Fund part of this? Well, I would say the International Monetary Fund has certainly been set up for the purpose of facilitating that transfer of sovereignty and transfer of wealth on the road. Right, we elected Mr. Conservative. Let me just finish the point, right. because otherwise we're going to have a lot of un unanswered questions. But you are looking at a group that has worked to bring about the dissolution of national sovereignties on the road to world government. And certainly uh, you're familiar with uh, local professor Carol Quigley, who has been part of your club in which he admitted all this. And he said in his book, Tragedy and Hope, the only thing I disagree is that we've worked to keep it a secret. And you see Arthur Schlesinger, Jr., writing way back in 1947, says, yes, this is the hidden policy of America. But we can't tell the American public because they're too unsophisticated to see the Who, value. What is the instrumentality of world government? What is the instrumentality of world government? say about Arthur That's the silliest statement I ever heard. He well, never made anything like that. Well, let me suggest that you read the... That's all you, that's all you got to say. This is the silliest statement I ever heard. World government... Incredible. First of all, the fact that this guy is a Democrat from Georgia is just... Look at how far we've fallen. And um, and this is incredible. We got two more minutes left. The May June issue of the Partisan Review of 1947, Tom, and you can read it for yourself. It's called. Well, that's the the said there was a conspiracy. Oh. A conspiracy oh, to promote communism. Oh, no, he didn't use the word conspiracy. I he said the objective oh, was to bring about well, Let me finish. I'll, I'll tell you. He said that the objective, the secret policy, which we can't tell the American public because they're not sophisticated enough to see the value is that through a steady result of the erosion of new deals, we bring the American society steadily to the left, right, and through a sound concept of benign containment, we merge into the vital center of the socialist left. Those are his words, not mine. I right, think what, John Kennedy was a member of that conspiracy. No, no, let me ask you this. The uh, world federal... And, then, and, then, and being merged into the center of the socialist left, of course, you are then more easily accepted and merged into the international... The international uh, governing body that they're trying to set up now, because there's not there is nothing about a, a, a traditional American culture that would jive with European culture, aside from the fact that we are our our main our, our cousins in in blood and in faith, religious faith for the most part. But um, yeah, no, no, this is this is about this is about the culture of liberty, what you can do to it movement in the post-war era it contained a lot of people who eventually broke with it and a lot of people thought the UN in the post-war era looked toward world government sure. indeed they did up until 48 49 but a lot of them said look we were utopian that's over and done with we can't move and a lot of them came in Kennedy's government uh, Schlesinger was in there when they were fighting uh, in Vietnam launched the effort in Vietnam Schlesinger was behind the Bay of Pigs in other words look isn't there some move that occurred in the post-war era that now has been dissipated because nobody believes in the utopian ideal of world government anymore? Well, I think there are those. So for those of you who don't know, because it's a little bit muffly, but Pat Buchanan uh, says, well, uh, the, there's so many of these people who had this, this idealistic view of how we can establish a utopian world government. They've grown out of it. 
And don't you think that, uh, that that this is just something of, of the past and that we've actually moved uh, moved on from it because we know that it doesn't work and blah, blah, blah. A world government anymore? Well, I think there are those that realize that moving straight from a prototype of the United Nations into world government perhaps is tactically impossible. But phasing out the increasingly national sovereignty into regional government uh, and phasing out sovereignties into international treaties in multiple areas. The whole, area, the whole movement toward, quote, interdependence. Yeah. NATO is, uh, so, uh, is part of the conspiracy? Well, there are certain... NATO is a part of the conspiracy? Like, like, go ahead, go ahead, say it. Say that NATO is part of the conspiracy. This is completely necessary, NATO. And look at NATO today. This is incredible. elements in NATO. There are people in, uh, in NATO that are very strongly dedicated to the defense of the West. Uh, but at the same time, you find in NATO a steady dissolution. You find a growing weakness as a uh, NATO policy uh, dominated by State Department policies that uh, has not worked. Well, it's uh, a regional grouping, and I think, therefore, it may be suspect by the John Birch Society. We're talking with Congressman Larry McDonald, who has recently been elevated, I guess, to chairmanship of the John Birch Society succeed. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, uh, he died four months after this... this um, disappearance on crossfire he was in a commercial korean airliner that it just happened to cross into soviet territory due to uh supposed navigation error and he was shot down shot down by the soviets and his flight number was 007 the flight number was 007 larry mcdonald talk about talk about people and, and weird weirdness and here's another fun fact that i dig up about larry mcdonald uh he and ron paul were the only two members of congress who voted against the mandatory swine flu vaccinations they both are doctors the vaccine ended up causing more injuries than the virus did so there's a little bit more sound familiar to you it's also very strange um watching footage even from like 1983 I love going back and watching old footage if I can find video footage of people talking in the early 20th century I love listening to Civil War um, the veterans talk and just just old people people who were ancient in 1927 just to think wow wow uh, you know to, to see a hundred and six year old person in 1927 and say they were born Thomas Jefferson was still walking the earth, not for long, but they were born and he was still alive. I love listening to that stuff and listening to them talk with each other and their sensibilities are, it's so, incur I don't care what they're talking about because they're calm, so much, so much calmer. They chill, they, they're just chill, so much less annoying than we are. We are just so much dumber and louder. You think of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez with her, with her, uh, I don't know, how many fake accents does she have? Just a yappy broad. Just, it's just horrible. I mean, just think about what the hell we are now. So, I love watching clips like that for so many reasons, but there's so many people who have died speaking truth to power or preparing a number of revelations against the so-called no doesn't exist new world order. Uh, I mean Michael Hastings the, the the car that just exploded. Uh Andrew Breitbart, a lot of people wondering what the hell's going on over there. Bill Cooper. Oh, you remember Rick uh Mayall? 
I know that the folks in the Discord chat know about Rick Mayall because they've been posting a lot of Drop Dead Fred memes in the last couple of weeks. Uh, he died of a heart attack after a run in 2014, right around the time when his final movie, One by One, came out. Um, or it was around the time it was getting released. So, you know, naturally, mo- mo- most people in our circles, they think that they think that he got the ice gun, that he got heart attacked. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. If you haven't seen One by One, we've got to get that on the network one night as a Friday night feature or something, maybe a Sunday night feature. That's incredible. Um, I got this, um, as I, I knew I was going to bring this up, I got the uh, the profile here of the person who wrote the screenplay. Her name is Diane Jesse Miller. And here's her profile. Known for writing screenplays with subject matters that most shy away from. On one by one, if you have not seen one by one, you, you might have a little trouble finding it. A um, lot of their clips that are put up on YouTube have been scrubbed by now. But here's the plot for one by one. A cafe worker is violently jolted from her day-to-day existence when offered the star- startling revelation that this world may be on the brink of destruction, revolution, or both. It's pretty much an, it's an allegory for, for anybody that wakes up. One day everything's normal. You have your nine to five and you just have your routine. And you don't think about uh, really anything to a greater degree. Then all of a sudden you realize that, oh, shit, uh, I'm trapped inside of a slave system. And uh, the, the Bible, the worst parts of the Bible at least are true, which means that the best part of the Bible is probably true too. And I, uh, I, I better start fighting my way out of this paper bag. So it's nuts. Rick Mayall. That's one of me. Who else? Who else would you throw out there if you could? It's 8.36, though, ladies and gentlemen, and we are going to take a really quick quick break, come back, do a little bit more of your Super Chats, perhaps a call or two, and then we are out of here. This is a nice audience suggestion night. It really was. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Cryptic message. You don't know? Viewers, you don't know who the cameraman is. And you know you when... know why you're being able to see these things. Nor do I. You're seeing me. I can't even see you. I may be dead by the time you watch this. Very possibly are. You don't know who's the man who's making things he wants you to see. Destroy your television sets. Now. You must listen to no orders. That's all I can tell you from this point of humanity. I didn't even understand it. Don't don't be fooled by the internet. It's it's cool. It's cool to get on the computer, but don't let the computer get on you. It's cool. It's cool to use the computer. Don't let the computer use you. You all saw the matrix. going on the battlefields in the mind and the prize is the soul so let's be careful thank you
also had the dubious honor of uh, showering Joe DiMaggio. Oh, yeah, I gave him a shower one night. What happened is uh, we're out in the middle of the jungle, and, and it's so damn hot, you can't sleep, and all you can hear is boom, 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 boom. And you, you're up on a hill, there's a valley, another hill, and you can see the every fourth bullet out of the helicopters is a tracer. You know, we're, we're watching this war go on. And Joe wants to take a shower. I said, Joe, we're not downtown Saigon. He said, I don't give a damn. I'm Joe DiMaggio. We got to take a shower. I'm going to take a shower. And the only way you could take a shower is they had this bad, big bamboo thing. And you, there's a string here. And someone's got to get on a chair and feed the water and pull the string. And the water comes through. And I was the guy that did that for Joe DiMaggio. So I saw everything Maryland saw. <laughs> And you told all your friends about it? I told everyone, everyone of my friends. I said, the best way to describe Joe DiMaggio is a penis with a man hanging from it. <laughs> oh, everyone keep forgetting. All right. It's 8.43. Uh, I'm just going to check the Super Chats. We're going to do one more thing, and then we're out of here. Because if I start taking calls, it'll just be one call, and that's just stupid. Maybe we'll be able to take more, or we have to take more calls tomorrow. Because if we do the, if we talk about the resurrection of the woolly mammoth and resurrection of extinct animals or anybody, anything... We talk about the ethics of that. I, I, we need to be able to take you know, opinions from the audience. So um, that'll be a little bit more of a central focus tomorrow. I don't know if Matt will be in or not, but either way, that'll be something that we do. Uh, into the Super Chats we go. See how everybody is doing. I think that we, quite frankly, superchat.com, we are all good there. Let us see. Just make a little bit of a re, re a reload. While I do that, Rumble. Two dogs, Mike D says, Philip Haney was another recent death that fell out of the headlines with the start of COVID. Haney, he was the guy that was exposing uh, uh, the southern border and Al-Qaeda and, and what was going on. Philip Haney, yeah. Yep. That We talked about that one. That was big. Uh, Philip Haney, for those of you who who uh, dig into the deep underground military base threads and all that stuff and alien agenda, Philip Schneider. He had a very interesting end. I think I, I think I brought up Bill Cooper. Um, this Twisted Wizard just said on Rockfin, Serge Manast, another journalist, both of whom were researching Project Bluebeam, died of heart attacks within weeks of each other, although neither had history of heart disease. Serge was in Canada. The other Canadian journalist was visiting Ireland. Prior to his death, the Canadian government abducted Serge's daughter in an attempt to dissuade him from pursuing his research. That is from Twisted Wizard. We talked about Serge Manasse when we were when we were bringing up Project Blue Beam a couple of years ago. I forget what I even learned about him, but uh, that that's what Twisted Wizard is uh, is supplying for the show. So there you go. Um, let us see. On the dash, am I going to Foxhole? Yeah. 
on Foxhole, th- things are getting crazy on Foxhole. Um, there's just, I've never seen anything like this, and neither has Matt from Foxhole. He just said, this is ri- it's ridiculous, and it's still going. Uh, my Uncle Francis warned me about the New World Order back in the early 90s. I was 10. I thought he was nuts until he showed me how, until he showed me 9-11. Uh, that's uh, L Talti, four four zero. Hang ten alien surfer says you always have such a great show, Frank. When I grow up, I want to be just like you. Well, just give yourself over to your passions, my friend. You'll know what it is, and you give yourself over to it, and um, and just practice like hell. Practice like hell. Um, that's it. Thank you so much, Cave Toad. Q Revere. T- Cave Toad again. Uh, K Kretz. C Kretz. Man. Please, C Kretz. You're making me crazy over here. I feel like I. You know what we gotta do? We gotta do something where we, um, we gotta open up a, a sponsorship option for the entire studio. Broadcasting here from the so and so studio. The actual broadcast studio itself. Because right now I would say by everybody in Foxhole. Nutty, what's going on tonight? But thank you guys so much. Witchy Poo and Talty and I mean, there's Hangtown again. Look at all that gold, gold pills. It's like, it, it's like a fraction of a penny or something, but it all adds up. And it's very nice, and it's how people have fun with that over there. Um, shades and ships and cookies. I hope everybody's sober. That's what I hope. Everybody's sober on, on there. Um, Hot uh, One Hot Tamale says, here's a little something for you, Frank. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for giving your time to us. Love you, says Dancing H2O. Dancing in the water. Ranger L. Talty again. I played that Bill Cooper uh, while hold, uh, folding my laundry one day. Finally woke my mother up. Yeah, nice cigar. And speaking of cigars. Speaking of cigars, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I talked to the guys at Lefties, and they said that after Thanksgiving, around Black Friday, the quite frankly Jester cigar is going to be ready. Uh, it's going to be that that six-inch Connecticut wrap with a just a slight vanilla hint to it, and I can't wait. That's going to be great. That's going to be a good one. Something to relax on the back porch with, with a hot cup of coffee, or whatever the hell. Fire pit. There you have. All right, so here's what I want to end with, ladies and gentlemen. And everybody on Foxhole, just hold your hold your fire for tomorrow because I, I'm going to release the, uh, the the scratch in here and I'm going to end the show. I can't believe what I'm looking at right now as far as the um, the numbers. It's just it's a tremendous it's a tremendous night all around. But here's what I want to say about humanity. I was watching this Jacob Collier. I don't know if you know who he is, but he's a musician. He got very, very big on on the internet. A lot of people find him that way. But he's on tour right now, and he does this bit during his concerts called uh, Audience Choir. And um, he essentially can... I learned about him through Anthony because he knows the ins and outs of YouTube musicianship and all that stuff a lot more. And so that's how I find it a lot easier. But this Jacob Collier, he essentially conducts the audience using his hands to signify change in pitch and dynamics, if you're getting louder or softer or anything like that. And then he takes it up a notch in this particular 
um, performance where he actually plays part of the room against each other in order to create these really angelic harmonies and all that stuff. And um, the audience choir session in this tour date in Rome that I'm going to show you right now, it's about a minute and a half long. Uh, it, it came to, uh, Lauren sent it to me today, and it's particularly amazing. Now, when I think about all of the dirty things that we talk about and all of the crises we try to make sense of and all that, always remember there's a, a, a hopefulness in this show that I, uh, I really pray never gets extinguished because it, um, it, just, it, makes, it makes life worth living to be hopeful and to, uh, to really just keep reminding yourselves that we are part of a ride that is so beautiful and, f- and filled with beautiful things. And I think that us as a species, we have capability for being so incredibly beautiful. And the creation process, especially music, if there is anything that we would be the crown jewel of on a cosmic level, it is music. It is the ability, especially classical music, but everything. If we are the crown jewel of anything in the universe, I would have to imagine that we could give music a go. We really can. I think that people would travel from all, beings would travel from all reaches of the universe to come to Earth to watch a concert if they knew exactly what the hell we were capable of. And this is just one man in front of his audience in Rome. And it's people in general admission, and they are just following his hands. He, he's, he's turning them down for pitch, turning them up, and then, of course, they, they, they know he wants more volume, but to hold certain notes and, and then create certain harmonies, and then to have one half of a room do the other thing. You have to watch this, and this is what I want to end with tonight, because of a little bit of beauty to balance out all the other crap. Here you go. Listen to this. that something wow that's just something else that's just gorgeous i i that 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 really just that was part of that helped start the day off on a great note lauren sent me that and i was like wow really remarkable 
that's what we should just be doing. That's what we're best at. That's what we're best at, ladies and gentlemen. That's what it is. Um, well, with that, I got to thank you all for the time here tonight. And I don't know if anything's going on uh, afterwards. It's Thursday night, so we don't have anything set on quite frankly TV on Thursday nights afterwards just yet. But that's what we will we'll have hopefully all figured out by the end of this holiday season going into 2023. And uh, <clears throat> I'm looking forward to tomorrow. A Friday night with all of you, that sounds like a recipe for a really good time. And you guys and gals are great company. Then and always... So um, have yourself a good night. I will talk to you soon. Thank you for all of your support. I just want to make sure I didn't miss anybody on the the Super Chats, but that kind of wonked out on me now. Nope. I'm all good. All good on every level. You guys, have a good night. Take care. And, I don't know, stay stay cozy. I'll catch you on the flip side. frankly is filmed before a live studio audience and now our super chatter starting with big red stostube sean haug anonymous sean haug again melanie and uh, to all my friends on foxhole right now who are just destroying us with uh, with generosity and love thank you guys so much tomorrow's another day oh and thank you Thank you to Dan Theater, who just threw a nice little tip into the Rockfin again. Along with Twisted Wizard and Tina Hagen. It's another day tomorrow. I can't wait to see you all. Good night. They sent me to a psychiatrist all morning. I took like a million tests. A psychiatrist? Yeah, you know, because I got suspended and everything. They sent you to a psychiatrist? Yeah. But that's crazy. That's all nonsense. That's nothing but a, a racket for the Jews.